Greetings, readers. This is the Recap Book Chat. We are thrilled that you're with us because reading illuminates your life like a star. As J.R.R. Tolkien said, little by little, one travels far. And welcome to the Recap Book Chat. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to add something new to the podcast. It is the feedback stack section of our podcast. And this is where we just want to take some time to read some of the feedback we've been getting and just to say thank you and just how much we appreciate you listening. To honor our listeners, we really uh, like to get your take on things. And uh, we have a really cool... um, This goes all the way back to our very first uh, podcast, this woman. And that first podcast was a bumpy ride. (laughs) So thank you, Emily, so much for taking the time to listen to that and give us your valuable uh, feedback. We are so honored. And I'm just going to have Kate read that to you uh, because it's so insightful. Yes. And, um, And so, and we would just, if you have anything you would like to share, and it can be from any podcast, it doesn't have to be from the one um, from that we're currently working on. Um, and I'm just going to read this. Um, this is from Emily and she sent in, I just listened to the Frankenstein one, loved it. It's been since high school, since I read it would definitely need to brush it before making any valid points, but for the sake of crediting y'all's amazing job, I'm going to attempt to throw out some thoughts provoked during my listen. One, since the Old Testament emphasizes the importance of names and giving slash assigning names with meaning, it's funny how the monster was not given a name, but society has named or identified the monster after his creator's name, even for the years after it's published. And remind me of and reminded me of why uh, why was the monster created? Because Victor was lonely, and ultimately the monster became alone. Leaves one to wonder what monsters we create out of the void of something or that imbalance wheel that we talked about. Um, and are we known by our monsters, and does that give them our names, Isn't or are that, we one and the same? That's powerful, yeah. just so powerful. So uh, thank you, thank you so much, Emily. That, that was, whoa, that's a highlight there. It is extremely thought-provoking and something that we didn't even hit on while we were reading it, and so we really value community, and I think that's what is cool about when we first started um, the book, our book club, is that we felt like we we grew so much and we gained so much deeper insight just from the two of us. And so how much more when we have a community of you out there? Reader, and, readers. Readers or leaders. Yes. And we also have the Recap Book Chat group on Facebook. Um, for That's a good place, too, if you want to dive deeper or, or, or send comment. in comments or yeah. anything like that. Which this comment that she made goes so well with the book we were going to share with you today because it's building dendrites in your brain. So your brain has these dendrites and it's like branches of a tree and you like we went one way and then Emily went another way and then we build on her insight because she's talking about how the monster was named uh, after its creator, well, we should be named after our creator. Like, you know, we should look like our creator. And, and that makes you think as a Christian, Christian is Christ-like. So uh, I thought, wow, that's just powerful. And I don't know if anybody knows about Dr. Caroline Leaf, but she is a, a 
brain guru is what I would say. She's and, a neuroscientist. Yes. She's an author and a speaker. Um, and the book we're, we're going to hit on is Think, Learn, and Succeed. And it was published in 2018. Now, Kate gave me a, the book. The previous book was Switch on Your Brain. Yeah. And so that's how we knew about her. But uh, we're just going to hit on the five-step learning process uh, and kind of go through that really cool. But on here, in this, in this, she talks about, um, there is a great little quote here. And, well, she says, never, never label something a complete failure because what is it? It's a teachable moment. And this is powerful to me. There's a difference between being flexible and being distracted. Do you want to know the difference? Yes, tell me. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're together, guys. We had technical, oh, yeah. <laughs> we had technical difficulties, so apparently we can't do the <laughs> podcast on machine. So if you hear boys in the background, yeah, nothing works this morning. So actually, we are together, and we character building, right? When yeah. things go wrong, she's, she's worked and worked on this, and she's built some dendrites. But <laughs> anyway, the difference between being flexible and being distracted. Flexibility moves you forward, and being distracted halts your progress. Ooh, isn't that, that good? That is good. I was just like, wow. And this might, uh, this might, this is kind of sad actually, because we live in a world where we Google it. And being a third, fourth grade oh, teacher, yeah. the kids just Google it, so they think they know it and all that. Well, here's what Dr. Leaf said: that over reliance on computers is weakening people's focus. Deep thinking, attention, and memory. Long-term memory is not properly being built when people passively and repeatedly look up or Google information. This habit has a negative long-term effect on the brain and is setting us up for dementia and also changing our thought processes for problem-solving. It's so powerful. And I've, I've totally fallen into that trap of, hey, Siri, what's... What's this? Hey, Siri, what's this? And I, um, my children ask really good questions, and we want to give them the right answer. And so we have gotten in the habit of just, hey, Siri, or if you have an Alexa, hey, Alexa, what's this? To get that instant gratification. And mom, you pointed, you, so when you told me about that, I was like, okay, yeah, that, we have definitely fallen into that trap. And I'm, and I didn't necessarily know how to not be in that trap. And you gave a great suggestion. You said, you should have like a wonder book, like where you, where when one of the boys brings you a question, you write it so you don't forget it. You're validating like this is an important question, but, and then we're not looking it up right then. Like we're going to research it. Defer that gratification. And that gives you something to look forward to. Like in school, we have wonder Wednesday. So we'll, we'll do that on Wednesday, travel Tuesday. We have something Metacog Monday. We're going to explain Metacog today. This is a Leonardo da Vinci quote. An average human looks without seeing, listens without hearing, touches without feeling, eats without tasting, moves without physical awareness, inhales without awareness of odor or fragrance, and talks without thinking. Oh, that's a, that describes a lot of us. I mean, politicians got that last one, talks without thinking. But, I mean, isn't that powerful? Mm. <clears throat> Leonardo da Vinci, who took seven years to do the lips of Mona Lisa. I mean, what a guy. Nothing about instant gratification. (laughs) I'm just like saying, the lips, when you look at them, you're like, "Ah, ah, ah." and um, so do you want to start on the steps? Yeah, go for it. Jump in. 
Well, step one is input. So, and I know being a third grader, so I'm surrounded by eight and nine-year-olds. So they say, third grade teacher, I mean, I'm not a third grader, by the way. (laughs) See the frustration? I need some pecans, I guess, too, Uh, is to read. And you're supposed to read with a guide. And the guide's not supposed to be a bookmark or a ruler, which you know, I've used rulers and bookmarks. And I've, I've been teaching so long that they used to say, don't use your finger. Like when I was in school, oh, you, really? you got in don't? trouble for using really? your finger. Don't use your finger. Don't use your finger. Why did they not want you to use your finger? I guess they didn't know Dr. Leaf uh, <laughs> at that time. But Well, I'm gonna, let me interject something here, too, because when you told me about that, um, which, uh, side note, I've actually... Well, we'll get into that later, but I have listened. I listened to the book fully before on audio, and I was listening half again before I got the physical version. And there's so much that I didn't catch from just listening. But so when you told me this, supposedly they had already heard it, but <laughs> I, for the when I got it, I was like, oh, that's so interesting that you're supposed to track. And so even now, when I read aloud to the boys, I started tracking with my finger or with like a pencil, and um, to be kind of a good. You, you said it'd be good for you to role model that because the boys weren't wanting to track when they're practicing reading. And so now that's helped a lot. They track with the, when they're reading by themselves and then I track and I like tracking and it, I feel like it does help me remember it better. And if I, if I forget for whatever reason, the kids will bring me something. Oh, Hey, you forgot your pen or whatever you gotta track. you're, you're yeah. tracking with. Well, this is why you track. If you track with your finger or pen, you will, um, it, it says it will increase your comprehension by as much as 50%. I mean, that's huge. Why, why did I not know this in college? That's I don't huge. Know. And it uses both sides of the brain as one. They're working in tandem with each other. If you track. So that makes sense. Yeah. And also, if you don't have a guide or if you don't do that, it, your attention span is shorter and you lose stamina. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's huge. Yes. So it's that's totally taught in schools. And that's so do- doable. Yeah. But as Willard Tate said, what's easy to do is easy not to do. For sure. And by the time they're eight, I've tried. I've, I have uh, just a couple of non-trackers and they won't track. I can't get them to track. And I've told them it will increase your comprehension. And, buddy, you need all the help you can have. But no. So my seven-year-old's on the cusp. We got to get it. You got it in there. (laughs) So, and then the second part on input is read aloud increases understanding. I think we all agree with that, Mm. that reading aloud, if you, especially if you have a difficult text, you know. And C is chunk. One or three, one to three sentences, and you're just chunking this. And this is like heavy-duty information, you know, or not something you're just enjoying, you Mm -hmm. know. And four is, uh, this is Kate Love's mindset stuff. So uh, at the beginning of um, Dr. Lee's book, she talks about all the different mindsets. And that goes with Carol DeWick's uh, research on mindsets, which is a great book. Uh, But you have to have the... Is it the called mindset? Oh, mindset. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yes, that is oh, a, a great trick book. title. Yeah. Trick title. <laughs> uh, the right attitude helps interact with the text. So you're visualizing, you're taking notes, and you're paraphrasing. If you have a good attitude, like what can I learn today? Hmm. Instead of I have to read this. Yes, that's a big, you know, a big change. And E says uh, that E. I'm, I'm sorry, A B C D E. The last one. Listen with a pen and paper. Write it down. You can do sentences, drawings. Um, there will be many intruding thoughts 
will bombard you. You're supposed to acknowledge those intruding thoughts, but uh, do not indulge them. And I find when I was listening, because I listened to this book too, and I was like, Kate, the only thing I got out of it was um, not to highlight. And she'll tell you why in just a bit. But so when you are when you are listening, if you just, of course, sometimes you're in the car. So don't do this if you're in the car. <laughs> but, I mean, just get a pencil and paper and just jot things down. That will increase your comprehension. But I talked to someone at church one time and he was listening to Unbroken when he was mowing the lawn and his wife was reading Unbroken. And so then they came together to have a book talk on it. And he didn't know half of what she was saying. Yeah. And none of the names stuck. So I said, wow, what a classic example. And although we had our own example. Because I listened sure. to this too. And I was saying, that was in the book? I mean, it, it, when I got the physical book and started reading, it was almost like I had never even heard of it before. Like I had missed so much from listening. So I do. So my take on that is I do think, I think fiction is better to listen to. Yeah, that was right. That was a good point that you said. Because I've listened to fiction, too, and I feel like maybe it's... flows better. Yeah. Yeah. And the names don't really matter in fiction. Yeah. You know, you could call her... You get the story. I don't know. I think it's just that we're kind of made for stories anyway, Mm -hmm. and I I think that sticks better. Yeah. Okay. Good point. Good point. And so the second part, well, first is input, and the second one is focus, thinking, and reflect. And that's where um, we just don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. We don't have time to reflect. So she's, um, you're thinking to understand your information and remember it, but it's focused. So when you do that, and if you're a teacher, you know that you're supposed to ask questions when you're reading, you know, and all that. But, and you think you don't have to teach that. Well, you, you kind of do. You kind of need to teach yourself to ask questions. And then in here, she's talking about you circle the concepts, but Because circling is not passive. Highlighting is passive. Underlining is passive. Now, I'm I'm stepping on my toes, too, because um, I'm a highlighter. I love highlighting. I like colors. I love to underline. I was underlining before underlining was cool. You know, (laughs) I was that kid. Before highlighters were even a thing, I was underlining. But she says underlining and highlighting is passive. And I do have some kids that highlight everything. I said, when you highlight everything, you highlight nothing. But what she's very, she's very specific. She said, circling is active because you have to decide what you're going to circle. And she's only going to let you circle no more than 40%. And she says, try to get it down to 15 to 35%. And you're discussing with yourself why you're circling it. So you can't just circle away. You can't circle something that's not necessary. So it's challenging to circle. So in her book, I've circled, but I haven't circled everything. Yes, it is challenging to circle. That's a, let me go back real quick on your the you were talking about the ask questions. Um, it made me think and made me a, a connection that I'm reading this real estate book too. But he was quoting someone. Um, he was asking them about the what their secret of success was, and I can't remember who the person was. Um, but basically, came down to if you if you want to be successful ask great questions oh. because great questions lead to great answers. And what did you and say about it? good, good leaders? Great leaders ask great questions. Yeah, I remember. So I was like, I don't think we put enough importance on the asking great questions. Like I, I think that's a key factor. Well, in school, they always kind of act like the answers are the most important, but really the it's questions, the questions, the questions yes. are the most. That's it, a, it's a totally different, that's a mind shift right there. And, and you kind of have to, 
yeah, you kind of wrap yourself around it because teachers are trained to like, okay, what's this, what's it? And these short answer, uh, short answers, and you praise those kids for regurgitating what you mm-hmm. just gave them. Yes. That's not really learning. No, the deeper thing is the questions. And you know what? Having taught, uh, we do this thing called uh, a four C, where you have to make connections and you have to do all this. Uh, let me tell you, they they don't like doing that because it's hard. They want a worksheet. Yeah. Give me a worksheet. It's just like a pacifier. Okay, I'm good. I'm good because I'm just filling in the blank. But if you have to write three questions or do something like that, it's hard. Yes. It's really hard. But more more impactful. Yeah, and you will remember it more. Mm. Okay, I had a um, – number three was a metacog or writing. And I, I had a picture of that I think I sent to you. But basically, she makes it look like your brain – and these dendrites going out. So if we, you, let's say you were going to learn about um, a country or you're going to learn about, you know, what? Just say a country. A country. Yeah. 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 So, country. well, I'll just go with what we're doing. So uh, in third grade, we put in, the kids put in all these post-it notes about where they want to visit. And then every um, Tuesday, Tuesday, we draw one out and it's called Travel Tuesday. And then we do a metacog for that place. And this week it was Chad. Someone put Chad in, and uh, kids are so funny because I was like, Chad, where even is that? I've heard of it, and I always think probably Africa, and it is in Africa. <laughs> but I asked the boy why he put that, and he said, "That's my dad's name." Aww, that's <laughs> so cool. He somehow knew. So we put Chad in the middle of a blank piece of paper, and then it's all capitals. So here's her tips on doing a metacog, and all it is is a kind of like a, a like a What's going on in your brain? So you have Chad in all caps in the middle, and then you branch off and you're going to put, it's a country. And then from that, you're going to draw on, it's in Africa. And anyway, when we were learning about it, we, we uh, learned that uh, 80% of the country is poverty. Oh, sad. So we were all, they're all like, oh. and so we talk about that and we talk about their economy and we just, and, and we're just branching out and you're drawing that. You're supposed to print the whole metacod. Because she says that uh, it's easier to remember print than cursive. Interesting. So I'm I'm trying to relearn this, and it's hard because and my kids will stop me. Oh, Miss Barnes, you're in cursive, and you're only supposed to have one. This is the hardest part of metacog to me is one thing on a line because your brain can only digest that one bit of information. That makes sense. And it is hard. And so you just do another line, or you go up, you go down, you you break it like your brain and all these dendrites. So the purpose of a metacog is to retain it. Mm-hmm. So this helps you retain it. Again, this information would have been so helpful in college. <laughs> when yeah. you're trying to go through that, like this would have been vital information. And she says you can do this if you're making a presentation. If you're, you know, anytime you're learning new information, you can do this with your Bible study. You mm. could, like, if you're, so like, um, if you go, if you're, Starting the book of Matthew, you would put Matthew in the middle, and he, you would put he's a tax collector. He was okay. this, and you could just use this in so many different different ways. I mean, even if you're going on a trip, say, like say you're going on a trip, put that place in the middle. Where do we want to eat? What do we want to do? You just can go off. You know, you could do it in a yeah. lot of different ways. But yes, it would have been helpful in college. But and teachers could use it. You can use it with your kids. What do you want to do in the middle? How are we going to organize that? And when you start, so. If we had, um, if you're doing a person, you know, you could do, um, put that person's like name in a report. Yeah. Let's like say we're Castro doing, yeah, or something. Castro, which I know nothing about him. I thought, 
did he invent castor oil or something? I don't know. So you would put castor oil in the middle and you start like a clock. So you're going to come off. I'm doing hands motions, <laughs> but you're going to come off like at one o'clock okay. and you're going to work clockwise all the way around. So you're going to so start it's important the way you go. Yeah. I, I mean, I, and I'm learning just right along. Okay. So we're doing that. So we would say birth and all this and then this. Now, when we were doing Chad, that was not as important, because, but we always start with, is it a country? Is it a state? Because we just came from Honolulu, Hawaii to Chad. I mean, kids are funny. You know, you got to go. Yeah. But then you go all the way clockwise, like over here, it's animals and you just list, we list the animals and stuff. And it's it's interesting because I, they're now asking questions. How do they earn money? What is the economy? And just wow. doing this Metacog stuff has, embo- they're kind of like bolder questions. Yeah. Instead of it used to be a speak, where is it at? Yes. Now they're saying, how they earn money? What 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 kind of climate does it have? I mean, like their questions are better. So the Metacog actually helps deepen, you, helps lead you to more questions. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. Yeah. And, and it's fun. They all, we call it Metacog Monday because we want to do this before they create their uh, little uh, CSI for their Travel Tuesday, which is CSI is like you trifold a piece of paper and that you put C is color and you pick a color for um, the country or wherever we're at. And usually they, you know, they're, they're pretty good about it. Like this hat, cotton is one of their crops. So they would probably say white is the color because they grow cotton in, in Chad. But it could be um, brown because it's mostly desert. Okay. A half, half of the country is desert. Wow. And it could, and then uh, in the middle, the, the um, S is symbol and I, I figure like, this is how third graders act. They like they would draw water and then they would mark it out, and that would be it's no uh, water, no water, or it is a landlocked country. It's in the middle of northern um, Africa, which has taught them uh, directions and all that. So it's pretty cool. And then the image you would draw a picture. So that's another way you can visualize to take like on the back of your metacog. You could do a CSI. So I mean, it's really. And it's so precious because they're saving their Metacogs. Aww. I'm saving it. I have a folder. I'm putting all my Metacogs together. And I'll so start. they're proud of them. Oh, yeah. So that's really cool. They love doing them. All the kids. I have, Nobody goes, ah, uh, a Metacog. Ugh. Which you would, they're kind of a lot of work. Yeah. But I think they like correcting me when I start writing and stuff, too. They're like, oh, the smarts. But that is such a valuable life skill. Like, they can take that with them. They can use that in anything. And they Anything are fun to do because I'll just, well, I need to do a Metacog. Yeah. I've never done one. I feel like I'm, I feel she, left out. The minute we leave this podcast, she's going to be doing a Metacog. <laughs> and after writing and Metacog, that's number three. Um, and uh, you, number the, the first three should be done together. So you're going to read it. Um, you're going to ask your questions. Yeah. I'm going to input, I always say read, but you're going to do input, you're going to do some reflecting, which is your asking of questions, and circling. Okay. And then you're going to do your metacog, and then the next two kind of go together. Recheck for accuracy. Did I did I say that Chad's in Asia or something like that? So mm-hmm. you're, if, if you're just checking to see if your information is correct. Okay. And then the fifth one is you reteach it. So in school, that's kind of fun. But I love Dr. Lee. She said, I don't care if you're by yourself. Reteach it to your pencil. <laughs> and I just thought that was funny. She said, your dog, your, reteach it to yourself in the mirror. Hang your metacogs up. 
But she said, reteach it to your pencil. So she's not giving you an out. Mm, I like that. And I, I like that the overall purpose of the book, and this is part one. We, we're not finished with this book, so we're kind of in the middle of it. It's part one, and so there's going to be a part two. But our, the, over, the overall purpose of the book is to help us discover um, how unlimited our ability to think truly is. And I think so far she's done a good job of, like you said, she doesn't let you have excuses because, I mean, the only thing limiting you is yourself. And it, just the power of the brain is amazing. And how she brings, and how she uh, brings that out. What was that one quote I had? Your, where your mind goes, your life follows. Mm, powerful. And, so we, and we can do more than we think. We really can. Well, it says, even in brief conversations of 10 minutes or less, the presence of smartphones hinders the development of a sense of intimacy, trust, empathy, impacting our ability to form meaningful relationships. Whoa. Yeah. It's powerful. Very powerful. I mean, put the phone away when you're talking to somebody. Mm -hmm. you know. But yeah. that's kind of hard in our society. It is. But it's that makes sense. Why uh, was it Simon Sinek? Um, yes, I have a book by him. him. I have not read yet. The yeah. something about give me a copy. We'll I, put I it our stack. Yeah, our stack is growing. I want to read it, but I've I've seen him. But he's talked about that, like um, in in meetings, like back in the day. Even though you're waiting, the meeting hasn't started. And this was before cell phones. You would say, you'd ask, well, Hey, Joe, I heard your um, yeah. grandfather had surgery. How's he doing? Yeah, you make those little connections. And, like, it's that humanity coming through. And you're connecting. And, and it may be surface, but you're still making the connection. And he said, you go into a business meeting today, everyone's on their phone. No one's connected. So he's trying to train people yes. to do that. Yeah. So it says that research indicates that as we grow more dependent on technology, so intellect weakens and toxic addiction, addictions rise. Mm. So people get addicted to that ding or something. They Not me. I don't hear it. I'm addicted to chocolate. I'll admit it. Dark chocolate. <laughs> I'm just saying it's 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 kind of like wow she has done so much research she's even taught people who had a brain injury who they they said there's no hope for them yes that was using these tip tips these techniques it's not tips it's yeah techniques and 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 a lot of them take time what is it um six is it sixty days yeah six, sixty days she doesn't go with the twenty one days no does she sixty days and but I I love like her research it's like twenty five years. She's been doing this research and helping people and all that. And and she says, we don't even know the full extent of the brain. Like, this is, like, we're scratching the surface of what the brain can actually do. And so it, it's just, that's fascinating to me that we don't even, like, it, it, our brains are so powerful. They were designed to be so powerful. And we, we don't even utilize that, you know? No. We don't. We just, I think we kind of take it for granted. Speaking of taking for granted, she says also um, to write three things you're grateful for each day. Mm, and powerful. we do have thankful Thursday at school. I try to do that. every day, But it would be good to do that every day. I try to do it myself every day. Just write three things. And I mean, and, and you would be surprised. I'm trying to teach the kids to not do the same three things. Because there's one boy who always says he's thankful for sports. And, all, and so finally, they're getting where they're being more specific. Like they said, I'm thankful for Valentine's Day. Yeah. Could, you know? Maybe you could say, 
what are you thankful for today? Or what yeah. happened today that you're grateful for? Yeah. Maybe. Trying to change it up where they yeah. see, you know. I had a Mother Teresa quote, which um, talk about. But, but going back to the gratitude, though, before you read that, she said she talks a lot about gratitude. That's very important for a healthy mindset. Like, And we can go through the mindsets. There's more mindsets, but she has. A, 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 we can get that on the next round. Yeah. Here's Mother Teresa uh, quote. I can do. I can do things you cannot. You can do things I cannot. Together, we can do great things. So, you know, that's why I like to tell Kate what I'm doing so she can hold me accountable. Mom, are you doing the Metacog? Are you doing that? Because sometimes things get hard and we forget to do what we, we know we're supposed to do. Well, I think that's this, this may be an every year read. This may be one that you could pull out every year and go through it again just to get a just to remind yourself, like, oh, wait, am I, am I doing my daily gratitude? Am I, am, am I seeing the bigger picture, the perspective? Am I realizing, am I letting my thoughts take control or do I have control of my thoughts? Like, That's I can't remember if it was a Dr. Leaf who said this. Um, cause I've, I've read her other book too. So sometimes I get confused, but I, I like the quote that you're not responsible for your first thought because your first thought is, that comes from your your history. That comes from how you grew up. A, a lot of those things affect your first thought. That's what you're kind of programmed to do. And that comes from your childhood and experiences and all of that. So you, literally, you are not responsible for your thirst, first thought. It may be a negative thought. It may be whatever. But you are responsible for your second thought. So you could have a really negative first thought like, oh, well, I could never do that. But you got to catch yourself and say, that's not true. Don't I don't, don't. I don't believe that. I can do anything I put my mind to, or whatever, and and reframe what you just said. Mm-hmm. And so, you, you're not responsible for your first thought, but you are responsible for your second. And I thought that's that's very empowering. Instead yep. of like, uh, you know, just going with your first, your you know, that's your first thought can be a liar. You know, yeah. you don't always trust your first thought. Well, you always say that words are powerful. And so it, she does too. She believes that. It says labels can easily wall us in and restrict us. Yet our customized way of thinking is so much more than what any label can say about us. So really labels kind of weaken us. It's kind of that box. Yeah. Well, if you identify yourself as, a, okay, well, I have trouble learning new things. Well, okay, you will have trouble learning new things because you said it. You will. Oh, were you fascinated by when she was talking about the placebos? Oh, uh, yeah. So Tell about that. We, That's pretty cool. We kind of knew. You know, you, you've heard the placebo effect, so we kind of knew what that is. But what was fascinating, you know, is we know how powerful the placebo, placebo is. People were taking, you know, basically sugar, sugar pills. pills and getting cured of whatever they were taking them for. But what was fascinating to me was that I didn't think about the opposite of, is true, too. People who were given a placebo and they thought it would harm them, even though it, there's nothing harmful in it, their health declined. And, and they were harmed, physically harmed, by nothing other than their mind, just because they thought it would do them harm. So, like, how many times are we doing that to ourselves? We are harm- We're in self-sabotage mode. We are harming ourselves by limiting ourselves, by thinking we can't do something, by thinking we're not worth it. So It's kind of amazing. It's, really. our, it's, it's fascinating. Okay. Um, think this is a good quote. I was going to have you read, read this. Okay. You want me to say? Yeah, right here. Go. Thinking builds thoughts and thoughts occupy physical, 
mental real estate in the brain. Thinking properly will produce understanding and build good thoughts, which are the same thing as memories. Conversely, toxic thinking, whether it is on an emotional level or through shallow thinking habits, can make the brain toxic and affect our ability to learn. And you, how many times have you said that? Yeah. Yeah. Words are powerful, mom. Words are powerful. If I could say one, like my, one of my biggest takeaways so far from Dr. Leaf, it would be that the thoughts that what she said here, that they are, they occupy physical real estate. So a lot of times we think, oh, thoughts are nothing. They're just fleeting. But no, thoughts are a physical thing that can, they're, they're a actual physical thing in your body. And to think of it that way gives them, like, you see their power. Well, she's the one that said, if you have a negative thought, it goes through every cell in your body. Well, that, no wonder we're under stress. Yeah. You, that is going through every cell in your body. So we have to, like you said, you're not responsible for the first thing, but you do have to be the gatekeeper. Yes. And you say, that's not going to get real estate. Mm-hmm. No. Yes. No sale. Yes. <laughs> no sale. Back out on those. But, well, I think that's a wrap. And that is a wrap on our part one of Think, Learn, and Succeed with Dr. Carolyn Leaf. Um, join us for the conclusion whenever we... <laughs> I know you're thinking part one. Didn't we just have part one of Dr. Shivago? That's why, uh, yeah, uh, this reader needed a break from Dr. Shivago, <laughs> so we went to Dr. Leaf. But that, uh, this Russian literature, Boris Pasternak. is... Uh, yeah, what a guy. So I said, I need some Dr. Leaf. So I went from Dr. Shivago to Dr. <laughs> Leaf. Follow us on this rabbit trail yeah. as we go down. I feel like Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, we, we will get to the part two of Dr. Shivago. So. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm setting it as a priority. But thank you, friend, for joining us, and we'll see you on the next one. Take care. <laughs>